Hello, everybody. Uh, Dr. Rick here dropping in on you. It's the weekends. I know a lot of people are out by now moving about doing the things that you do on your weekends. Uh, for those of you who are actually able uh, to catch this live uh, stream uh, partially in full, welcome. Uh, I'm always excited to do uh, live engagement uh, while I still do a lot of recorded production. I do try to uh, regularly uh, engage uh, from this live platform. Um, but welcome for those of you who are going to watch it uh, later on. Um, I hope that you get something out of what I'm sharing today. Um, those of you who have followed me know that while I am heavily invested in my own business affairs, uh, handling and doing the things that I do at Rick Wallace Enterprises and all of its subsidiaries. You also know that I have a very strong anchor uh, in the Black community, and I have spent countless hours of research and program development, problem solutions, problem solving, excuse me, to answer some of the enigmatic issues that plague the Black community. And um, one is the widening wealth gap. And the fact that the wealth gap is widening while wow, there's this constant narrative that blacks are doing so much better than we have at any other point in time in the history of this country is it should be alarming but most people tend to view everything and from an anecdotal position from a superficial position from simply observing an imagery and the optics are misleading uh, yeah, we wear a lot of Jordans. We drive more Benzes than white people, but um, the median household wealth for whites are is at 180 plus thousand, uh, 187,000. Um, in fact, they c control about 84% of the wealth in this country, while uh, the median household wealth for blacks is at 14,000. Uh, which is worse than it was eight years ago, uh, something to be concerned about. And so uh, the importance of closing the wealth gap isn't about how much stuff you can buy. It's about the amount of power that comes with it to be able to set the course of your life and project out the type of future you want your progeny offspring uh to experience and enjoy. Uh, one of the things that I think we fail to understand in this selfish culture, in this individualized culture, is the level of responsibility of legacy. We are so caught up in trying to achieve the American dream that we have lost ourselves in the responsibility of our existence. We are to build a legacy. We are to leave an imprint. We are to uh, cast down through our lineage a greater opportunity for our people. And we haven't done that. We are too busy trying to keep up with the Joneses. We are too busy trying to prove that we arrived. We're too busy trying to send a message to the other side that we belong, that we have failed 
in the area of legacy. And one of the greatest legacies you can do is to pass down your legacy by way of inheritance. The Bible says a wise man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. And yet here we are. There's an importance in building wealth outside of accumulating things. So when I built or uh, created, so to speak, the Legacy Wealth Academy, it was for the purpose of educating and empowering our people through a number of different uh, courses and uh, conferences and uh, other elements and components, uh, you know, everything from the, uh, the uh, financial literacy guide for teens uh, to the seven day online business launch course. But most importantly, uh, this course on building generational wealth, an 18 month course that I built uh, over time, interviewing the top investors, the top uh, performance in the area of generating wealth, not those who inherited their wealth, those who built it and how. And the thing is, while we must be keenly cognizant of the presence of racial components and discriminatory, uh, discriminatory practices, there are many things that we can do to better ourselves. But if we are ever going to close the wealth gap, there has to be a mastery of the money mindset and a mastery of the money game, how the game works. You've heard me say this over and over, regardless to whatever issue we're discussing that we are always at the bottom of the ladder because we fail to develop the capacity to understand how things work. When you don't understand how things work, those that do will manipulate you. Those that do will exploit and take advantage of you. It is your responsibility if you're going to operate in any system that you understand how the system works. The problem with us is we come from, a. I mean, at some point we obviously knew because we built enclaves like Tulsa, uh, the Greenwood subdivision in Tulsa, Oklahoma, which was known as Black Wall Street. We built Slocum, Texas, another very uh, affluent black community that was uh, ravaged and burned down by whites. We built Rosewood. We built Wilmington, uh, uh, Wilmington, North Carolina. Um, we uh, set up uh, enclaves in, in, in the, in the uh, Missouri area, St. Louis to be exact, in certain places in Chicago. And uh, so we know that we at some point had an understanding of economic science. Uh, before the civil rights movement, we owned our own theaters, we owned our own bus companies, we owned our own cab companies, we owned our own uh, grocery stores and shoe stores. And, and, and so the, the understanding of ownership, the understanding of balancing the dollar, the understanding of investing ourselves was there. But we lost ourselves in a need to be accepted, a need to belong, and we sacrificed ownership for acceptance and being allowed to patronize other businesses. And in the process of doing that, we gave way to selling away a lot of our stuff, things that are owned in our communities, like grocery stores and the cleaners and 
fuel stations and everything like that once was all owned by blacks. We owned everything in our communities. We were building, we were self-sustained at a great level. We had influence and power within our community. And therefore we were able to uh, execute a certain level uh, not great, but a certain level of political influence and other things that we don't have now. Why? Because we have lost our footing in the capacity of ownership. Everything we want, we have to seek them in order to have in any great capacity. And that's because we have not built wealth. So when I set out to build the legacy wealth path to generational wealth, uh, I knew it was beyond me. I had studied a great deal. I have done pretty good for myself. I've definitely done better than the average person, but I didn't want to limit what I was going to share to what I knew. So I sought the minds of the master players in this game. And I took from what they had. And this took years. This took years of chasing people down over and over, requesting interviews, requesting uh, an opportunity to speak with them, to get their insight directly, researching what they had written, researching what they had said in other interviews and putting pieces together and researching that stuff to make sure that it lined up. And I put it together in the Legacy, the, uh, Legacy Wealth Academy's Path to Generational Wealth course. This is an 18 month course designed to teach anybody who wants to learn the process and the equations to wealth building. It's a mindset, first of all. There has to be a shift in how you think about money. Uh, the, the, the wealth equation is about a relationship with money. What is your relationship with money? How do you view money? How do you see money? What do you think money is for? And then it's about what you do with money. And uh, wealthy people invest people who fail to achieve wealth and oftentimes end up at poverty or living check to check or barely scooting or three months away from uh, foreclosure are those who spend money. And the difference between both are actions of putting out, whether you're investing or whether you're spending, you are taking what you have and you are putting it out uh, the spender puts out for something that is devalued the moment they purchase it. It's not worth worth what it was when you purchased it. Uh, a prime example is a brand new car drops in value anywhere from 20 to 30 percent from the moment you drive it off the lot. Brand new. And yet we consistently overgoing that. And the vast majority of us are not only buying the new car, we're buying it through a finance company that's charging us an interest rate on the payments that we're making on the car. So we end up actually paying more for the car than the car is worth. So we didn't just get something that's constantly being devalued. We are constantly playing for what the car was worth before you ever drove it off the lot. Every payment you make on the car is a payment that is going on the initial price of the car, which that value, if it was a value in the first place that met the value of the car, that value decreased the moment you drove it off, but you're still paying on that value. And that's a poor investment. Now, everybody needs a car, but there's a better way to buy cars. It, it, it's not it's rarely a good investment unless you're investing in something that's going to be a part of a collection that holds value. 
you'll find that wealthy people invest in car collections. It's not because they have one bagging rights. It's one of the best places to hide your wealth. Art collections are another good place to hide your wealth. You buy the art and then you insure. Do you realize that a lot of this art that people are bid, bidding millions of dollars to purchase are literally in many instances ending up in storehouses and storerooms. They're never hung. They're never put in their homes. They bought it because it's a good place to store value because what are they going to do? They're going to bid on it and hopefully get it at a value that's less than what they can get it appraised at. Then they're going to get it appraised and have it insured for the value of the appraisal. So if anything ever happens to it, they actually get more money than it's worth. But if anything, but nothing else, it's going to sit there and hold its value. Art rarely for no art rarely depreciates in value beyond the value it holds. It only appreciates. Uh, precious metals, while they fluctuate in value, they hold value better than currency does. Jewels, same way. Uh, there are other fluid, other other fluid and li uh, less liquid ways to invest, but the idea of it is to understand when you're spending money on a liability versus an asset and see the wealthy person understands the difference between a liability and an asset. Another myth that floats around that has a lot of people confused is that when you buy a house, you're investing in an asset. No, when you buy a house, you're taking on a liability that can be converted into an asset as you build equity into it. Again, this is something you need and you want to make a good, solid purchase, but it is a, a liability, generally speaking. Now, one way that purchasing a home can be an immediate asset is if you purchase the home and you immediately start to rent it out. So now someone else is paying the mortgage and you are having a surplus of income coming in over whatever the mortgage is. And if you're smart, you're probably paying a management company because you don't want to be a landlord and you still have money coming in. If nothing else, even if you're not getting a whole lot of passive income from it initially, you have someone else paying on your investment, your asset, which again is the mindset of someone who is attempting to build wealth. So when I created this, uh, it, it, this is an 18 month course. This isn't something you're going to go on sign up for. And next week, you're going to say, I took this course. No, this is an 18 month course. It has eight complete sections, uh, that cover everything from compound growth, uh, income annuities, the stock market, using, uh, trusts as a way to protect your wealth and pa pass down your wealth effectively, uh, and so much more. Uh, the basic understanding of how you define liability versus assets, the importance of diversity across assets, the importance of asymmetric risk reward, the importance of understanding how much each investment costs. Most people don't realize that when you invest, there's a cost to it. There's a cost um, in a number of different ways, whether it's taxes, um, fees, especially when you start talking about operating in the stock market and using a broker, uh, whether it's stocks or it's other uh, financial products that they are offering you, there's normally a commission on it. You, you're going to pay their commission. You also are going to end up paying a particular part of their commission because some of it's going to come from uh, the owner of the actual 
uh, financial package or product that they're selling you, but you're going to also have a, a, a portion in that commission and fees. There's also a fee for transactions. There's so many different things that go on that you need to be, be aware of. But at the end of the day, it's the cost of doing business and elevating yourself. It's worth investing your energy, your effort, and your time into to gain a sense of knowledge. Now, what I did when I did this, like I said, I knew that I was going to invest a lot of time, money, energy, and effort over the years building this. Uh, but what I wanted to do is I wanted to create something solid, something I could believe in, something I could stand on, something I can be proud of in offering to people who wanted to build wealth. And this course is extremely comprehensive and robust. Uh, it's currently priced, reg well, regularly priced at $2,595, $2,595 for an 18-month course that's going to teach you something you're not going to learn in any master's economic class, in any master's class on finance. There are things that the heavy hitters are sharing amongst themselves and will share with anyone who will talk to them. One thing I found out is after you reach a certain level of wealth and you go into the ultra level of wealth, I found out those guys talk and won't shut up. If you can't get to them, it's not because they don't want to share it with you. It's because so many people are trying to get to them and they're limited with their time. But if you can find time and you got the patience and you're persistent, once they start talking, they don't shut up. And there are patterns to this that I picked up with each person I talked to and those I couldn't talk to directly. Those I researched. I read everything I could find on them. I found common denominators amongst them all. They're all big on knowing their tax liabilities. They're all big on asymmetric risk reward. That's explained in this course. They're all huge on compound growth. As a matter of fact, Warren Buffett said that the way that he has arrived is through being healthy enough to live as long as he did. Now, I'm explaining that in a second. And a good mechanism for compound growth, which he found in uh, uh, index funds, which are passively managed mutual funds, index funds uh, like the S&P 500. That's compound growth. If you're not taking advantage of compound growth, you are missing the most consistent way to build long term. With maybe be with, with maybe some competition from real estate. Owning property can never be a bad thing. But as far as compound growth, you're putting into it, and then your interest is earning interest, and you're study adding, and it's study adding. And uh, the reason he says that it was fortunate that he, he was lucky enough to have good genes in order to live a long time is because 90% of Warren Buffett's $90 billion was earned after he was 50. Uh, he's always been uh, business-minded. As far as I could read back and research him, he's always been business-minded, but he didn't start accumulating massive amounts of wealth until after his 50th birthday. It's amazing, but he's been on it for a while. But here, here, here's the thing. For this weekend only, I am offering this course for less than a thousand. That's sixty over sixty percent off the regular price for nine ninety seven. You can sign up. The link is in the box. Uh, again, this is an eighteen month course. This isn't something you're gonna go get some get rich quick scheme in. This is not something that you're gonna go sit down and you're gonna look at it and say, I got it now. Um, there are things that I learned from these interviews. There are things that I'm still uh, systematically adding and putting into practice. It's a lot to learn. But what I'm telling you is when you know it, you can teach it. 
And that's one of the things that we've got to get back to. We've got to get back to uh, the basics of economic science, the basis of financial science, the basis of building and owning. Uh, we uh, will have something of value and ditch it for currency. And currency is the most volatile and fatal way to move and manage your wealth. The value of the dollar is under constant assault, diminishment, inflation. Uh, it is not what you want. You don't want a bunch of cash. You want things of value. So you want to be investing the cash you earn into things. So you take it and you invest it. Sometimes you're just reinvesting it in the very mechanism that produced it. Other times you're taking it and investing it in new opportunities. Sometimes you're doubling down on something that just seems to be performing at an unbelievable or astronomic rate. So this is immensely important. Um, if you want to change the course of your life, there are no quick fixes. There are some things you can do immediately uh, to change your life. There are some things that you can do um, in the way of thinking, in the way of practicing, how you spend your money, um, the people you hang around, uh, the circles you keep. Um, that's going to be massive. That's going to be extremely important. Um, but the practices of understanding the different mechanisms, understanding how the game is played, understanding what's there, because while there are some discriminatory uh, realities, while race absolutely does play a role, there are many means through which you can operate and move where you can eliminate or if not eliminate uh, substantially reduce the influence of the racial caste system um, that has been so uh, impactful over the last 150 plus years. Here's what you uh, need to know. You need to be able to understand how to move. And nobody's asking your race when you are buying stock. Um, when it comes to buying property, your rate, uh, you can always use a trust or a corporation to purchase. Again, nobody has to know who's the face or who's the, uh, primary, uh, holder or whatever in, in, in the purchase of that property. There are ways to move where you're invisible when you need to be so that you can still make, uh, the moves you need to make. They're going to always be the good old boy things where stuff is being passed around amongst uh, the elite. And you have to, first of all, build a foundation before that even becomes an issue with you. So that should be your focus. Your focus should be what am I building for me? And again, I'm going to double down on what I said at the beginning of this. One of the biggest problems we have is we're so consumed with self that we have lost sight of our responsibility to build a legacy and to pass down a legacy. 
And I am a firm believer that one of the greatest legacies that you can leave is your inheritance to your children. Again, the Bible says that a wise man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. Now, I'm a firm believer that the inheritance is more than just the bequeathment of financial wealth. I believe the inheritance is the legacy of how you lived your life. What did you stand for? What did you do? What was your character? How strong uh, was your character? Whose lives did you impact? What mark did you leave? That's a legacy too. But you should also be building a financial legacy so that when you leave this place, you leave those that come from you with the resources to take what you've done and expand upon it. The wealth should be growing. They should not have to start from zero because you took everything you had and blew it or just lived the high life on it. Enjoy it. The fruit of your labor, but also understand that your children didn't ask to be here. It was a choice you made to bring them here. And if you brought them here, it should have been with the idea that I'm creating the projection of my legacy biologically by bringing kids in. My progeny are a reflection of me. And in order for me to allow them to truly express who I am, they must have the proper resources in order to do that. So that should be a focus on what I'm leaving them. That should be a focus on what I'm teaching them. That should be a focus on the seeds that I'm planting. And we have to start somewhere. So if they have $187,000 in median household wealth, median household wealth, and the median household wealth for blacks is only 14,000, and it was 17,000, and they were down at 170-something thousand the last time I ran the numbers and the research some years ago, probably four or five years ago, then it tells me they're expanding this and widening this wealth gap at a pretty substantial, uh, significant rate. And the way that you reverse that is you build. You don't ask them to fix it. You don't ask them to give you anything. Do Are we owed? I am a 100% believer we're owed reparations. But what I do believe is you can't. Number one is reparation isn't something they're going to freely give us or they would have already given it because so many others have gotten it. So then what it means is the only way that we will ever get our hands on the reparations if we have the political power and the force in order to demand it. In other words, if we don't get it, we are a problem. We are not a problem as long as all we have is the ability to pick up a picket sign because we have no economic power. We have no political power because we have no lobbying power. We don't have the, the economic uh, significance to lobby anything and push any agenda through because we haven't built the economic foundation on which we can be significant. We haven't built an economic systematic foundation through which we are building individual wealth, family wealth, community wealth, and then racial wealth on a level that we can actually sit up and enforce our desires by way of economic sanction. See, when you build wealth and you have this wealth and you're able to pass it down, what eventually happens is you have a significant enough influence on the economy that any sanction that you apply to any particular industry, any particular party, any particular um, local entity, it has an impact. And one thing I can tell you, they listen to money. They're not listening to your cries. They don't care how heart, heartbroken you are about what you're going through. But they will care if you impact their money. They will care if you become a substantial force. 
And we need to understand money. We need to gain a better understanding of this $1.4 trillion in buying power that everybody keeps talking about that Blacks have without truly explaining what it is. It is a gaslighting. Well, I won't say gaslighting. It is a deceptive narrative that gives the idea that we really out there got it. We're balling like that 1.4 trillion. But if you don't put things in context, if you don't truly understand the dynamic, you'll be misled. Let me explain to you what that 1.4 trillion, it, it doesn't say 1.4 trillion in wealth, does it? It says in buying power, the vast majority of buying power in this country is what credit. So it's not how much money we have. It's how much, force we have to buy based on how much credit we have plus how much money we have. And in order for this government, which doesn't have a currency backed by anything of value, there's no standard go backing the, uh, the U.S. dollar anymore. The gold standard has been gone since 71. So if there's no gold standard, what's back in the dollar? Debt. We are on a debt-based economy. In other words, the way this economy goes is convincing Americans that the economy is stable enough for them to buy and spend money. That's a constant push. That's why everything is commercialized, because we need you to spend it. We don't just need you to spend. We need you to spend beyond what you have the capacity to spend. We need you to go in debt. Why? Because the debt is the value. That's what's being sold. If you've ever bought a house. The chances are, by the time you got your first payment book, it wasn't from the bank that financed your home. They sold your paper. It's common practice. Your debt is being sold constantly. Even when it's bad debt, it still has value. So debt is a major move play, and they're constantly hyping Black people to spend. We spend $2 billion a year on our Jordans. While this racial wealth gap is massive, we buy twice as many Mercedes each year than they do. Matter of fact, statistics tells me that the average millionaire in this country drives a Toyota Camry. Matter of fact, there's only one luxury brand in the top 10, and that's a Lexus. We are gassed up to feed their economy, and I've said this before. We are the only people that I can find in history that consistently finance our own demise. We complain about a system that oppresses us, but we're constantly pumping massive amounts of money by way of either what we own or by debt into the system that turns around and then steps on us. We need to understand how to build. We need to start building our own banks. We need to start funding our own community development projects. That's one of the ways that you stop gentrification is you fund the development within the community. You maintain property, uh, control of property. Uh, and when the property values go up, the older people in the community that don't have the money to afford the higher uh, uh, taxes should be covered by the economic plan uh, devised to build that community. 
In other words, we stop dispersing people because they age out of earning income. It's our elders, we should have a plan in place that we can afford to underwrite them holding the properties they work their behinds off so hard to have. But these are all things that we need to be having these discussions about that we're not. These are the things and the ways that we lose. So much of black property that people worked hard for in the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, and 70s are now moving into the hands of white ownership because of gentrification and us not having a plan, us not being economically prepared. My question is real simple for the person who doesn't see the value in this particular course. What's going to happen? when there's no space for us together in because everything has become gentrified. Because we didn't protect ourselves economically. We didn't protect ourselves geographically. We didn't protect ourselves by sitting up and ensuring that we not only owned something and we took care of our elderly, but we had something to pass down to our progeny, our offspring, our, our, our children, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren, and their children. We, 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 we are losing this war, and there's an end game to it. And one of my concerns is that we don't care enough to even be concerned with what happens with our grandchildren. Uh, I literally have had conversations with people about this, my people about this. And I've literally heard from the mouth of my people. Oh, by the time that happened, I'll be dead. So just to hell with your kids and your grandkids and your great grandkids, huh? Wow. But and, and and it's not a one-time thing. I hear the man, I'll be dead by then. We're so ego-driven that all we see is what we're gonna do. And if it doesn't, if it's not gonna negatively impact me, not just negatively impact my family, just me. I'm good. And we don't see how that plays out. That tells me that we have a problem with our identity as well. And I'm not going to get into that, but that's a problem with our, when we don't identify correctly, we get consumed with self. We don't see the value in those of us around us. We only see the value in what I want. And so my behavior isn't socially uh, orchestrated or driven. It isn't about what's best for the collective. It's about what I want and what I think is best for me. I don't care how much destruction or devastation it causes around me. As long as I get to enjoy it, I'm good. And that cannot happen if we're talking about the longevity of the race in this country or the empowerment of the race in this country. We can talk about black liberation and black empowerment till we're blue in the face. It has to be accompanied by action. It has to be accompanied by a shift in mindset. It has to be accompanied by economic power. We can talk all day long. Until we develop economic power, every uh, protest will only amount to being a collective temper tantrum. What is a temper tantrum really? When you look at the masters of the temper tantrum, the two and the three-year-olds. The temper tantrum is this thing that they throw when they can't have their way and they have no way of controlling it. See, they don't have any power. 
So they throw a tantrum. They try to get as much attention and make things as uncomfortable for you as they possibly can with the hopes that their tantrum is going to convince you to do what you said you weren't going to do. Now, what happens with them? You ignore them. They either realize it's not working and they shut up or they fall asleep because they cry themselves to sleep. When they wake up, the energy toward the tantrum is gone and they're on to the next thing. They've totally forgotten that they've even thrown the tantrum. Guess who does that? We do it. We do it all the time. When we get pissed off with something they do, we grab our signs, we throw we throw a hissy fit, we tear up stuff, we burn, we march and we talk what we're going to do and how it is. And they sit back and they say, ignore them. Ignore them. They're going to burn out. Why? Because it's all anger. Anger is not a strategy. It's an indicative emotion that tells you something is wrong. Now you've got to use your mind and your protocols and your plans and your strategies to say, okay, this is what we do when this happens. But we don't have that. We haven't planned that. We haven't built that. And the problem is they know that. So they let us throw the tantrum. What happens? Eventually we get tired. We fall asleep. We wake up and forget about that even happens. I can name name at the name from Breonna Taylor to Sandra Bland on down the line, Oscar Grant, uh, Sean uh, Bell and on down the line, just naming them of people we got irate and upset about. They never got justice. They're just back there. We told them we would never forget them, but they're back there. Trayvon Martin, the clown that shot him is running around doing tours and shit. But that's what we do. So when I, the years I spent doing interviews and gathering this information, it was for the purpose of taking the best minds in money, investing and wealth building and giving you all of the tools that they use and put them in front of you, give you the insight and the focus and how it's done and start to encourage and inspire people to do it again. Uh, this course is regularly priced at $25.95, which I think $2,595 for an 18-month course that really reveals to you pretty much the whole game. This is, I mean, it's comprehensive. If you were to put it in the book, you're talking 700, 800 pages. It's dope. I mean, it's really, really potent and powerful. Um, but for this weekend, for the remainder of this weekend, we're doing it at $9.97. The link is in the description box. If you're serious about changing your life, you can. Here's another beautiful thing. You can also use Afterpay and break that down into four payments. Uh, or you can just pay in full, get it out the way and keep moving. But whatever the opportunity is there, it's up to you to make a difference. What I can tell you is you're not going to close the wealth gap by wishing. You're not wishing isn't a strategy. Complaining isn't a strategy. Hoping isn't a strategy. None of those are strategies or plans. That's wasted energy instead of doing the things that are necessary for us to experience something different. We want the quick fix. And when it doesn't come, we whine. We, we complain. 85% of Americans, regardless of race, wake up every Monday, every Tuesday, every Wednesday, you know, on down and go to jobs they hate. 85% of people aren't even happy with what they do for a living but they are caught up in the matrix of believing this is what you do if you want to have a living. No, you have the ability to create a life for yourself that you control. It requires discipline. It requires patience. It requires commitment. It requires the ability to see beyond the moment, but it's possible. I am encouraging you 
if you have children, if you have grandchildren, uh, you want to master this. If they're 17 or 18, you may want them to take this course. Uh, it's easy to understand. It's a step by step. But if nothing more, they need to understand it because that has to be a mind. Nothing more difficult than taking an adult and trying to change the way they think. Even when it's for their benefit, the paradigms, one of the most popular courses I've ever created was the power of paradigms. Why? Because the paradigms that shape your life early in life are hard to shift. Why? Because you anchor yourself in the beliefs that create that paradigm and you and you 96 percent of your behavior is governed by your subconscious, which is levied by these paradigms. And you are literally acting like this. Everything is this. And you don't even realize that you're just constantly acting off of an old experience and an old idea and an old belief that is not serving you well, but you don't make the shift. It's much easier to create it in these younger kids and say, this is how it's done. This is what they're doing. This is how it's done. They're not better than you. They're not smarter than you. They've had some privilege. They've had some advantages. But at the end of the day, they still have to practice it or they'll end up poor, too. There you've got to. Now, will now will they get paid more on a job with less training and less experience than you with a degree? Absolutely. Uh, we know for a fact that a, a, a white male high school graduate earns more than a black male with a bachelor's degree on average. We know that. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about if you practice this, they can't control you. They don't get to dictate your worth when you understand wealth building. You dictate your worth on the front end and definitely on the back end. But you gotta be willing to change the way you shift. I mean, shift the way you think, shift the way you view things. Understand the difference between a liability and an asset. Gain an understanding of uh, what it means to diversify and why. You should be diversifying not only in your assets. You should also be diversifying in your income revenue generation how your money is coming in on a revenue generating uh, scheme or platform or plan or whatever you want to call it shouldn't be heavily dependent on one particular one. Even if there's a primary source, there should be others that hedge that source in case something happens to that source. That's why I created the Legacy Wealth 7-Day Online Business Launch Course. It's what I use. Now that I, I can teach from my mindset because I created it. It's literally how I've lived and survived and operated and, and, and built and expanded. So, but whatever it is, you've got to learn these things and you've got to shift how you think and move in a way that's going to create a better future, not only for yourself, but for your offspring. So again, I'm challenging you. Take advantage of this again. It expires 1159 tomorrow night. But from now until 1159 tomorrow night, you click that link um, and you'll be able to sign up for 997 versus the regular 2,595. And if you want, you can use Afterpay and break that down into four separate payments. Also, there's a link to the course syllabus in there. Click that, save that, copy it and put it somewhere, save it. And just look at that course syllabus and see what you're going to learn and who you're learning it from 
and see the value in it. But whatever you do, don't miss the opportunity to take advantage of this course. We are losing because we don't understand the power of economic uh, uh, stability. We don't understand the power of building generational wealth. I, I, I look at a lot of things. When I was making my moves uh, in the early 2000s in real estate, uh, before uh, the subprime uh, crash tore it to pieces, the one thing I would notice is as I moved around, I saw one thing consistent. Young white people, couples and single, a large percentage of them, their first home purchases were being seeded by either their parents or their grandparents. And when I say seeded, I don't mean $5,000, $10,000. I mean the entire down payment, $50,000, $100,000 were being given to them. In some instances, rare, they bought the house for them. Why is that important? Because that's a debt that they didn't have to figure out. Our kids are working to their 30, just coming up with a down payment. They've got a head start. These are the same people they're competing against to develop uh, economic uh, equality. They're competing with them. Then they're getting their college education paid for. In state and out of state, they're getting paid for. Our kids better hope they can they, they can run fast, jump higher, or very, very, very smart and get some type of scholarship. Because we, we don't have that $30,000 a year to give because we haven't built it. We haven't saved it. We haven't set it up. And the opportunity to do is out there. Now, obviously, if your kids graduate next year, there are some things you can do to prepare and make it easier uh, and be more prepared. Uh, but this is definitely for the younger generation who have kids, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. You got time to actually prepare and give them a launch. The launch is I'm going to get you past a bunch of the pitfalls that would normally get you caught up and slow your growth. I literally have friends. I'm 55. I literally have friends who have not paid off their college debt. One of the biggest traps there is. And I um, had one the other day celebrating that they finally got their college debt paid off. And, and these people aren't low earners. So it isn't like, but you know, what, what happens is what, what will normally happen is they'll tell you, 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 need, a, you need a degree. The truth is there are a bunch of ways to prepare yourselves and get yourself skills outside of degrees that cost a bunch of money and very rarely pay back what you've invested in them. But they're told, OK, you get the degree. Then when they get the degree, they find out, well, man, you need a master's to really make money. So you go back and you get more debt, getting the master's. And then some are even pushed to try to go after doctorate degrees. And then you go after it and you look up and you got all this debt. And you're going like, whoa. And now you're trying to pay it off while you're trying to work, while you're trying to buy a house, while you're trying to build a family, while you're trying to get your kids together, trying to send your kids, to all this stuff. And you look up and man, you just got the kids out and you look up, you still got college debt you had before you had the kids. Because we are not constantly making ourselves aware of how things work. That's why I built this course. That's why I've gave this course 10 years of my life. Of researching it. And I could have threw anything out there 10 years ago. I knew enough about enough to sit up and throw it out, make it sound good, make people buy it, throw it out there for a couple hundred dollars and let people get it and get frustrated. Some people will learn something, some people wouldn't. 
I wanted to take the time to create something that it's literally going to be a part of my legacy. This course is now a part of my legacy. This course is so powerful and so potent that it can be left as a part of my legacy to my kids and it will feed them. And here's the problem. And it's a problem with almost everything I create is anything of real, true, intrinsic value. The other people tend to see it and take advantage of it more than my own. But what I want is what's going to feed and take care of my family. So I, I, I can't be overly concerned with that because that feeds my family, that takes care of my family, that ensures that that grandkid that I'm so crazy about. I'm not crazy about all my grandkids, but that, that youngest dude, that's my dude. Um, but all of them will have some way been impacted by me because of the choices I'm making now. And many times that means me sacrificing me. But if I sacrifice me right, I'm still going to be good. But what's going to happen is long after I'm gone, I'm still living through them. That's the thing that we need to get. So again, I'm going to get off of here, but I just want to stop by and really truly share with you the power of what's in this particular course, an 18-month course. And here's the thing I made up in my mind. This course is going to bless many people. And I'm going to figure out how and ways to make it happen. And today is just one of those days. Look, I'm sitting, I'm going like, look, 997 was the introductory rate on it. And then when the introductory uh, period left, it went up to the point we have it at now. And depending on how the market performs on it over the next year, it may end up being more than that. For right now, you get it and you get access to it for $9.97. And so the link is in the description box. You can even use Afterpay and break it down into four different payments. Um, but everything that you get is in there You when you click it. Uh, you, you'll see uh, you uh, when you sit up and you um, click on that link for the course syllabus, it's going to take you through the entire eight sections that cover 18 months and see everything you're going to learn in this course. So you're going to get the course for 60% off. And again, this isn't a get rich quick scheme. This is an 18 month course, but I'm telling you, I packed probably 10 years into 18 months, but I compressed it in a way. This is what I do. I create courses. I literally write curriculums for universities. I compressed it in a format that you can take it in 18 months and literally completely shift and change and turn your life around because you're going to start practicing some of this stuff within weeks and you're going to start building behaviors and patterns and habits of thinking and moving and how you operate everything you see from from the moment you start taking this course you're going to see through a different lens you're going to see opportunities you've missed in the past but you're also going to recognize opportunities you would have missed that are coming to you all of this stuff is available to everyone but most people aren't pursuing it because most people believe poverty is their lot in life. Most people believe you get up, you go to work, you earn a living, you just make enough, you put it in your 401k, you're getting raped in your 401k too. Do you realize that 
$17 billion a year is collected in 401k fees. 17 billion in fees and you can't ask the average person how uh, how much they pay annually in fees for their 401k they don't know i guarantee you, you can ask any billionaire what they're paying in fees on any particular investment they can tell you to the penny different mindset we've got to become more detailed in our thinking and our approach We've got to become more invested in our willingness to go out and make things happen. Uh, we got to accept, we got to stop expecting mystical intervention and understand that we have the capacity to create the things in front of us. We are creators by the very nature of our divine essence and connectivity to the most high. We have the capacity to create. We're not operating in it. We want somebody else to fix it whether it's God, whether it's the white man, whether it's the government, whatever. I'm having a miserable life. It's your fault. Fix it. Well, here's the thing. You're going to go through life and there are going to be a bunch of things that other people and other things are going to do to you. And in, in essence, it's not your fault. And almost in every situation, those people, those things aren't going to volunteer to fix it for you. So you're either going to consistently move through life and become diminished in your capacity because you're not fixing things that other people broke because it's their fault. Or are you going to sit up and say, you know what? I got screwed in this, but watch watch what I'm going to do. Watch what I, what's going to happen. I'm going to become strong. I'm going to become wise. I'm going to learn more. I'm going to read more. I'm going to grow more. I'm about to expand myself, but you've got to invest in yourself. You cannot be outperformed in growth and expect to close the wealth gap not going to happen so again for those of you who really want to make a move here's your opportunity 60 percent off um the link is in the description box i want to thank you guys for sharing and taking time with me again talk to you soon <laughs>